Hey there DC fans, this is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien, Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop-up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get 35% off site-wide by using the code DCNews35. That's D-C-N-E-W-S-35. DCNews35. Use that code and receive 35% off site-wide at InsightEditions.com. Hey there, all you DC Comics News fans. You've arrived at the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Here to share with you another selection of my top five books from DC Comics. This week, May 25th, just like every week. I'd like to thank everyone who's been hanging out with me along the way. We're at episode number 107. Gotta tell you, it's quite the milestone. Through most of it, you've heard this little man here snoring along with me. And tonight he's with me extra close because I recently had knee replacement surgery. Yeah, wasn't exactly, you know, something I expected I could pull off at 44, but uh, here we are. And that means I've had to re-examine as well as modify my recording space. And that includes a little bit of company because otherwise they would simply create even more chaos. Should I try and record from my normal space with all the apparati? I have helping me recover from a really interesting experience, but one that's going really well. And uh, I'm just glad that it hasn't prevented me from sharing with you my top five books from DC Comics. This week, I'm starting things off with the Stargirl Spring Break special. This was such a wonderful story, such a wonderful way of kind of bridging the gap that seems to exist with the idea of how is it that there could have been a justice society so long ago and yet here we are in 2020 and so many of the characters they don't match the age that they should and this does a lovely job of offering some explanations hey buddy you're snoring really loud right now yeah everybody can hear you you're so loud anywho when it comes to you know making connections, it's important to keep in mind just who it is that the uh, Justice League, the Justice Society, have come to mix it up with. And when you get right down to it, there's all kinds of possibilities. I mean, for starters, you've got sorcerers, and then you've got, oh, you know, immortals. Oh, and then just for good measure, there's always those people who enjoy playing with time. and when they play with time, well, it can get a little bit dangerous. There can be a, uh, a lot of problems that come out of it. But there can also be some developments that explain how it is that certain characters have come to exist and why they exist for the, 
the reasons they do. We get a, uh, a really interesting story that surprised me a bit for the choice of the Clock King, but I think the fun and exuberance that is had uh, with his role as the villain, also the introduction of the history of the Seven Soldiers of Victory, how it was they came to be, the struggles they faced, and what a very climactic experience. Well, essentially, <laughs> um, when it comes to who they were dealing with and what they were dealing with, one of the important things is that it had to do with time travel and how it affected so many of the characters and why it is that that time travel is now a central role in this story featuring a really great Stargirl cast, uh, a really great recognition of the history that is so much a part of what Stargirl's legacy has come to represent and why it's so important for uh, so many that this bridge is built that there is an opportunity to show just what it is that Stargirl is trying to do, not only in the recent success with the uh, television show, but also what came before, how Jeff Johns has based so much of that show on the comic book material that he carved out by making Stargirl this amazing extension of those great Justice Society and Seven Soldiers of Victory. Jeff Johns is the writer on this story, does an amazing job of capturing the spirit. We've got Todd Nock providing the art. Then we've got High Five with the colors, Rob Belay with the letters, an original cover by Nock and High Five with a variant cover by Mike McCone and Luis Guerrero. I loved all of the elements, including some characters like the Crimson Avenger, the elements that introduced the history, a lovely team-up with Stargirl and Red Arrow, and so many other great things that make this a wonderful 40-page Stargirl extravaganza with a little JSA and Seven Soldiers mixed in just for good measure. That sounds like something that piques your interest. I would say that uh, if you haven't yet, Find Stargirl Spring Break, special number one. Reach out to your local comic shop. Give us a holler. We'll do our best to share with you all the things we know because one of the great things about talking about these books is then getting the chance to read them and then talking about them again. There is a wonder. There is a glory. That's why I love to tell their story, which is why it's so much fun for me to move our list along and pick things up with Robin, number two. Now, for me, this is really fun because I remember what it was like when Robin got a solo series back in the 90s and Tim Drake was doing something that to me seemed so amazing for a young man and such a talented one at that. I mean, Tim always seemed the smallest and the youngest, but he also seemed like the most, well, for me, captivating, but he also seemed to be uh, the most resilient, the problem solver, the thinker, the planner. You know, the patient one, that, that was always a great gift. So now it's fun to go ahead <laughs> and enjoy the fact that this new Robin series has poked a bit of fun at Tim Drake's solo series and also what it means if you happen to be, uh, you know, 
the, the son of Batman and the, uh, well, the son of the daughter of Ra's al Ghul. Yeah, I had to kind of work my way around that. Um, not quite as quick on the draw sometimes right now. However, I do love the fact that I can tell you about how Joshua Williamson, who's been just blowing me out of the water with the stuff he's been working on, collaborates for this amazing issue. His artist and cover artist is Gleb Melnikov, providing the colors, Luis Guerrero. That sounds like a name I just heard. ALW's Troy Pateri providing the letters, and Francis Manipal with the variant cover. I mean, you got your choice which one you want to pick up. The original is fun because it's got the great commentary and <laughs> it's got Flatline who already made quite the impression in issue number one. But then the Manipal cover, that, that really awesome sort of splash and flash with a great red background and that smirking smile on Damian Wayne's face. After the events in issue number one, which uh, if you've read, you know, and if you haven't, please check them out. And then I would recommend checking out this issue number two or just grabbing the collection and finding out more. The, uh, there's a secret on this island. There's a reason why it is that, well, for starters, Damien awakens where he does and begins getting a bit of a history from uh, Ravager. So, what is that history, and how does that change the terms behind uh, <laughs> what it is Damian Wayne wishes to accomplish? Well, for starters, he needs to just listen, simply because, um, <laughs> well, for starters, he didn't actually get to hear all the rules. He decided to sort of leap ahead and a bit, um, how can we say this, uh, impulsively. But he's on Lazarus Island, and because he did so, the consequences surrounding that decision also led to his inability to learn just how things work with the tournament and why it is that Lazarus Island is so significant when it comes to this tournament. Um, <laughs> there's also a wonderful flurry when Damien sort of recognizes what that means for him and begins to simply unleash on a lot of the combatants on the island and i enjoyed just a little bit of the excitement in his face but i also got a kick out of the fact that we get some great characters like respawn xxl black swan flatline who was already introduced in issue number one and a character named hawk who trained with the League of Shadows and bears a striking resemblance to Connor Hawk. Curious to see if that ends up being quite the uh, element when it comes to this story. Overall, I mean, a wonderful mixture of great storytelling, absolutely gorgeous art. The colors are phenomenal when Damien and then later Hawk release their amazing physical prowess and abilities. It's quite a treat. And I really enjoyed the way the art brought to life so many great panels, so many great moments, not only from action, but personality. And the story is continuing to intrigue while also offering up 
not only its surprises, but pitfalls included. And uh, I would say, if you hadn't had the opportunity yet, please pick up Robin number two. I think you will enjoy. I know I did. And then I would love to hear what you had to say and think about it. I'm going to go ahead and take this moment, because it's our second issue, and we've just wrapped that one up, to take a quick ad break, catch you up on all the great things going on here, from DCN After Dark to our Inside Editions to so many other great things that you can be a part of, from Mad Love to so much more. Enjoy, listen, and then when we're done, we'll go ahead and bring things on back around so we can get to my third, fourth, and fifth choices, and maybe just a little more snoring from my buddy, Mr. Bruno. Hey there, DC fans. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News, here to give you a special deal from Insight Editions. Insight Editions is an amazing company who uh, sells books and collectibles uh, from all sorts of pop culture, whether it be DC Comics, Marvel Comics, uh, movies like Die Hard, Harry Potter, Alien... Everything out there in the world you can you can find. You got books, collectibles, uh, pop up greeting cards. They have all kinds of amazing items. And right now you can get thirty five percent off site wide by using the code DC News thirty five. That's D C N E W S three five. D C News thirty five use that code and receive thirty five percent off site wide at insighteditions.com Hi everyone I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast here every week to talk everything DC movies TV comics and everything in between but don't just take my word for it here are a couple of our sponsors listen to the DC Comics News Podcast it's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First... There was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I Am The Night. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. 
I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Ogre. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat me, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. Lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth <laughs> joke. <laughs> ears hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show. We're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff. Let's go. Off the cuff. Off the cuff. Anything off, you want. Anything you want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want to. God damn it. All right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you are a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an unseasonable Santa hat. Accepted season, whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. Welcome back, all you DC Comics News fans. We are back after that cool's jazz fade away from the ads. Time for more of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 107. I am your host, Seth Singleton. My pleasure to continue sharing all these books with you from May 25th. And as we charge along, my third choice this time around is Mr. Miracle, The Source of Freedom number one. 
No, those grumbles for Bruno are not approval or rejection. That's simply a snoring little guy who knows that if I'm recording and he's close by, he's pretty relaxed. And when he gets relaxed, there's snoring. Sometimes there's gas. If that happens, I promise it was the dog. Really, I promise. So, Source of Freedom, Part 1. Brandon Easton writing a really interesting story. Telling, uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Uh, Fico Osio providing the art. Rico Renzi providing the colors. Rob Lay with the letters. Ah, that's another name we heard just recently. Yannick Paquette providing the original cover with Valentin Delandro providing the variant cover. So, Mr. Miracle, created by Jack Kirby, originally started out as a young man named Scott Free. And yet, there is also another Mr. Miracle who is stepping into the limelight and showcasing some very impressive escape skills. Those that, for me, um, <laughs> are a reminder of sort of the excitement of how it is that Mr. Miracle can find a way to always get out of the most dangerous situations. Well, it starts by having a great team, but we're not talking about Oberon and the others. And we are talking about the fact that when it comes to this Mr. Miracle, he has to meet the same kind of demands that any performer will and does. Um, I know it's important to keep in mind just how challenging it is for those heroes who don't have amazing powers that grant them money, don't require sustenance, or were born into money. So it's not really something they have to worry about. However, as well as some of the best elements behind this story, I also feel that there is a great introduction to this new version of Mr. Miracle, one that I think fans are really going to enjoy. I know I did. So let's start with the fact that this Mr. Miracle is named Shiloh Norman, that his identity is a secret, that he believes it's important for his safety, and he is also someone who is able to define his access to freedom as through the costume, the moniker, the identity of Mr. Miracle. Now, that doesn't mean that everything is perfect. In fact, it makes it difficult when he tries to make personal connections with his audience or even someone he's attracted to. And before they can even meet, he requires a series of non-disclosure agreements and other <laughs> paraphernalia that I'm sure makes sense to those who live in Hollywood or have been celebrities or some combination of the following. But it is for these reasons that he is also very separate from the world. And even when pushed by an advisor regarding his ratings, that this would be an opportunity to use revealing who he is. He also points out the fact that there's a lot of things he needs to be aware of when it comes to making that decision. And the first is that he knows that he is black, whether it's being called African-American by his advisor or identifying himself as someone who is black and saying that, simply put, um, he can't be told by somebody that 
they can even pretend to know what it's like to be a black guy in the world, as Shiloh puts it. And this is an element that is going to frame, I think, a lot of the storytelling regarding this, whether it's about how he is how he is able to access his freedom through the costume. And yet at the same time, it's the costume that's limiting him when he tries to make a personal connection with a firefighter he finds attractive, but who also, simply put, doesn't think that the way he is handling things, whether it's his secrets, the non-disclosure agreements, or the way he appears in person, is something that she should find appealing. In fact, I think for the most part, she recognizes it as a facade. And because of that, things get off to a rocky start. They don't get much better. And then there's also the fact that someone is posting messages, whether Shiloh is appearing on a television show or he is uh, performing another high intense stunt someone is calling him a liar now of course what he wants to do is sort of (laughs) take care of one thing at a time but he also knows how he's viewed in america and this is something that he brings up with some really interesting social commentary and also a feeling that expresses some really powerful ideas about what it means to come from a history in which there's an expectation that, as he put it, puts it, quote, a faith that good white folks would eventually do the right thing, and so many of his elders went to their graves disappointed. And the story surrounding the, that great quote is really powerful, really important, and explains so many of the things that define these ideas of freedom for Shiloh, and yet also at the same time, what he might have to begin at least questioning when it comes to his desire to have a relationship, and also as part of his need to track down this person, calling him a liar. But before he can, you know, get involved in too much of an official investigation, moments after his date sours, then things get even more awkward when he learns that His finances are being attacked. He's under other legal assaults. And he gets a notification that sends him to a place where yet another series of messages describing him as a liar and a thief are followed up by, well, a surprise that only you, the reader, should discover. It should be a lot of fun. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And it's just one of the many reasons why I think this is such a gorgeous example of a number three book that I am more than happy to share with you here on episode number 107. Oh, and should I point out that the eye-catching art is phenomenal? Yes. Yes, I should. And then I should move us on to my fourth choice for that one. I went with Detective Comics number 1036-1036. When last we saw Batman in Detective Comics number 1035, He had a stranger on his doorstep who simply should not be able to have been there. She is, well, her name is Sarah. And and Bruce Wayne can't figure out just who it is that might be uh, performing this very impressive impersonation. 
He doesn't believe it could be Clayface. It's been so long since the Gotham Knights were disbanded. And since then, Clayface hasn't been seen. So who is it that is pulling off this masquerade? And how is it that Bruce Wayne is able to hide this evidence from a neighbor who does not like how suspicious it all looks, calls the police, who search through Bruce Wayne's brownstone, and then eventually leave? Well, for starters, there's the fact that, <laughs> well, there's a bit more that's going on when it comes to how Batman is handling his cases these days. And there's a bit more going on when it comes to those, well, who might feel a need to get involved, one of whom is Huntress, who attempts to get the drop on Batman, but only succeeds in helping the creature that he had discovered on his doorstep escape and then leading to further confrontation, not only between the three of them, but some tension between Batman and Helena. Now, one of the interesting things that I enjoyed is the fact that there is some new discoveries that are introduced here, and significantly, they play a impressive role when it comes to how it is that our events have been transpiring and what they are doing to the people who are being affected by them and what tools are being used to control them. Now, just because there has been one possibility introduced with all this story and the gorgeous art that is capturing it, I'm talking about the amazing work from Mariko Tamaki with art and cover by Dan Mora, colors by Jordi Belair, Letters by Aditya Bidikar, and a variant cover by Lee Bermejo. It is in this The Neighborhood number 3 that not only this conflict is introduced, but a new challenge in the final pages. And I love the way it bleeds into the backup story for this one, The Huntress Part 2 of The Ex-Boyfriend. Mariko Tamaki teaming up on this one with uh, Clayton Henry for the art, Jordi Blair for the colors, and Dichibitikar for the letters. And a great example of what happens when a street-level hero like Huntress takes it into her mind that there are those who, even if they might not be highly regarded by the rest of the city, even the rest of a block, just because they didn't get on the radar for other reasons doesn't mean that their life is insignificant. Now one of the important things to note here is that Huntress has a lot of guilt about the fact that she was always annoyed by this person who went missing, but now she is determined to make sure that this friend's passing is something that will not be forgotten. And when evidence reveals that her ex-boyfriend was abusive and overall just a low life that she takes it upon herself to check in with him see just how much of a role he might have had in the death of her new friend and also to simply stand up for all those who don't have someone like her to stand up for them it's a great exchange there's some wonderful opportunities for well, the huntress to do what she would like to do and instead it's impressive when she takes the more, well, painful route, one that leads to some great pleasure. 
and reflection in the final pages and panels. Quite the delight, quite the delight, quite the joy, quite the recommendation on my part to uh, add this one to your collection. Should you enjoy stories about Batman, Huntress, and offending those who could always use a little extra help getting some defense, knowing they've got someone on their side. For my fifth and final, I have decided to go with Strange Adventures number 10. Yeah, it's a 12-issue maxi, which means we are getting down near to the end. Great story by Tom King with uh, interior and cover art by Mitch Gerards and Evan Doc Shaner. Clayton Cowles providing the letters. And we start out, actually, with a letter from Mr. Terrific to the wife of Adam Strange, someone who has been an ardent supporter of her husband, who has stood by him, who has been willing to be an aggressor. And this letter starts to reveal what it is that she has revealed to Mr. Terrific and how it is that he has uncovered just what elements she wanted and others wanted to be left out of the story, how it is that even though the Justice League and Batman decided to publish the information he had provided, it no way covers all of the details regarding what's going on with her and her husband. But just because evidence is introduced one way doesn't mean that that's actually what that one way is talking about. In fact, when it comes to that evidence and what it means for Adam Strange and Alana, it's the possibility that some secrets are so painful and yet also so powerful that they can provide a cover and a cover story. And through that, some of the most unexpected and dangerous tactics and strategies can be employed. It's a really masterful work of storytelling, a great discovery, and through it, we now have an opportunity to see how the final two issues will play out and what this masterpiece that Tom King is creating will look like when it's done. I enjoyed every single issue up to this point. Number 10 was a great example of how the story can shift gears so quickly and through a great device like a letter. I highly encourage, if you haven't been reading this series, to check it out. And when you get to number 10, if you are reading it, and this is one you already picked up and you have thoughts to share, love to hear all about them. You've been listening to me here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. This was my fifth and final book, a great five out of five choice, a wonderful selection to include. And that brings us to the end of this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. It's been a pleasure to hang out with you, talk about my uh, favorite books from this week, and to come back next week and do it all again with you. In the meantime, we love to encourage you to let us know what you're thinking. Just go ahead and use the at symbol in DC Comics News, capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N-E-W-S. When you do, you'll make sure we get that great news. And then use DC Comics News to find us on all your favorite social media platforms and when you're subscribing to this podcast it's the best way to get all of that great content right in your feed and of course that includes everything from new episodes of the spinner act to the dc comics news weekly podcast covering all the great movie television streaming comics and more news whether it's i am the night the episode episode breakdown of batman the animated series mad love 
the episode-by-episode raunchy breakdown of the Harley Quinn television show, once on DC Universe, now on HBO Max, or so many other great things we have in store, like DC and After Dark, hosted by the amazing Kelly Gaines and her awesome co-star, who you probably heard about in that ad break. And there you have it. So look for us, find us, subscribe to us, and let us know what you're thinking. Can't wait to hear more about it. Can't wait to join you next week for our next episode. Till next time, as we like to say, read more comics.